This podcast brought to you by TechSmith. Right now, millions of people are snacking. Are you? And by Intuitive, tools for building better websites. Looking for inspiration and ideas from other colleagues from all over the world? Be sure to check out events.boxesandarrows.com. The other day I had the opportunity to speak with David Maloff on his article, Foundations of Interaction Design. We discussed several foundations of interaction design, including those of time, metaphor, abstraction, and negative space. David also provides greater detail to comments posted on his articles from readers around the world. A big thank you to David for taking time to speak with me, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. So, David, your, your article on Boxes and Arrows, Foundation of Interaction Design, uh, struck me as really interesting, especially as an information architect. I can appreciate the complexity of defining a multifaceted profession like interaction design. You, uh, you noted in your article that interaction design is distinct from the other design disciplines. It's, it's not information architecture, industrial design, or even user experience design. It also isn't user interface design. It's more ephemeral. It's about why and when rather than about what and how. Um, so maybe you could elaborate on this definition of interaction design for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Something that I like to do is to make sure our terms are well-defined and um, I believe in very particular definitions of things um, in order to help people uh, understand the total context. So a word like user experience doesn't require that because it is meant to be an umbrella term that's all-encompassing, but terms like interaction design, UI design, and information architecture, industrial design are particulate in their nature and um, they have relationships with each other in order to bound those relationships with each other or better understand them, it's important to have um, you know, a clear understanding. So when I talk about interaction design, I'm trying to not necessarily create a hard wall between other disciplines because there's lots of overlap in practice and uh, methods and things. Right. But um, it's more about being able to understand the core essence of the of those uh, disciplines and of interaction design. And for me, interaction design is really about um, interaction and about and if you think about an interaction, interaction is a form of behavior and behaviors take place within specific contexts. So defining context and defining behavior um, uh, are at the core of what an interaction designer needs to do. Right, and, and some of those core elements you, you illustrated in your article itself, uh, you talk about uh, foundations specifically. Do you, can you elaborate on, on some of those ideas for, for our listeners? Yeah, sure. I think the concept of foundations itself is something that comes out of the design schools mm-hmm. of Europe and, and early uh, U.S. design schools. And uh, my experience is through Pratt Industrial Design, uh, where we you know, read, um, put together a series of foundation classes for industrial designers at Pratt. And, um, you know, I'm not going to remember all of them off the top of my head, but uh, line, volume, space, um, color texture are all part of those foundations and basically the way the education system works is to um, do studio classes where you dive deeply into each one of these foundations and master its language of that foundation so that uh, in terms of uh, you know in terms of negative space for a graphic designer for example is understanding uh, when something is in close enough proximity or not enough white space so that it is assumed that those elements are somehow related to each other versus as 
when do I separate it enough so that I know that they're not related to each other. So uh, a lot of that is done in graphic design and industrial design. And when we talk about interaction design, there hasn't really been a sustained conversation about this, uh, about elements like these that we can uh, use to communicate what is good interaction design, what is bad interaction design, or even what is interaction design itself. And uh, so in thinking about these foundations of interaction design, that's sort of at the core of what I'm trying to put together. Yeah, no, it, it's brilliant, and and uh, it's also very complicated, of course, because you're talking about behaviors, and and of course, we're building things for other machines. It would be simple, but we're building these technologies and tools for other people. So, how do they interact with the, with those applications? Yeah, and lately, actually, um, the, I'll just add this in, but yeah, a lot of what I've been thinking about is actually machines interacting with each other, um, and that that is another aspect of interaction design is when you think about um, ecosystem design and how um, my iPod needs to connect to my laptop and how that happens and um, how they can communicate to each other and what are the expectations between those two devices. Uh, it's very technical on the one hand, but it's also uh, there's also a place where it affects the human interaction between them, such as how my Bluetooth headset communicates to my phone, um, what types of information do they need to pass back and forth to each other so then the human beings on either side um, are able to clearly understand um, states and uh, other information uh, that's viable as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just getting back to the metaphors for a second, uh, you, you talked about you talked about a few in your article that I, I'd like you to elaborate on. And I know you and I were talking before about how we could spend like an entire hour talking about just one of these things. Um, but uh, maybe we could start by talking about uh, the, the element of time um, and, and how that relates to, to interaction design. Well, I think, you know, time was, is probably the most complex element. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in terms of product design, time is probably the, uh, the, the clearest foundation for interaction design. Um, you know, there are other types of design, such as, you know, film and dance, um, that, you know, require an understanding of time. Right. Um, and there is a place where interaction design, like dance and, and film, is the place for narrative, is the storytelling. So if you think about narrative and time and timing, you end up with basically, you know, one core aspect of time is pace. Right. You know, which is... Um, the feeling of flow through time for the end user's experience. So, like going to a movie, how often do you look at your watch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and managing that pace. And there are times where you want the pace to be slow because you want to en engage yourself that completely with it and, and feel that moment. But sometimes that's taken a little too far. And then, you know, the end of Lord of the Rings comes by the fifth ending and you're kind of looking at your watch again. Yeah. But, um, and the same thing exists within. Uh, interaction design is that trans is that transition animation too slow is it too quick did I need more time to understand what is going on do I need less time um, to to realize uh, the change things like that are are important within interaction design do I really need to have a step through wizard to do this process or can you put it on one form on a screen and I'll figure it out right um, to to make it more concrete. 
So that's, uh, that's one element of time. It's interesting because you were noting uh, you, in your article, you talk, you, and as you were, we were talking just now, you were mentioning this idea of choreography and dance, and, and you mentioned the, uh, one of the elements being metaphors. And in particular, mm-hmm. you were talking about how all metaphors break down at some point. And I'm wondering why that is and what a path forward for the interaction designers would be in helping clients understand these complex ideas once the metaphor breaks down. Yeah, I think all metaphors break down just because they're not what you're prescribing to it. So, like, you know, if <laughs> if I say something is, you know, if for some reason whenever I think metaphors, all of a sudden these similes come into my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you could say metaphor is analogy, right? So, yeah, <laughs> like you can say he's as fast as a horse, right? Well, obviously he's not as fast as a horse because he can't go 40 miles an hour. Right. He's faster than you would think a normal human being would be able to go, right? So the analogy breaks down at a certain level because he is not the analogy. He is just like a quality of the analogy that you're trying to possess. So like, take the trash can from, you know, from a desktop or a recycle bin, right? right? Well, they're not a trash can or a recycle bin because of the fact that I can't carry it someplace else yeah <laughs> right yeah i can't move it i can't there's you know it lacks um, the physical properties of being literally able to go over pick it up and and, and move it somewhere or throw out the trash right. quite literally right i can't yeah. play the drums on it yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah. and being a drummer myself that's my biggest frustration with these things for sure <laughs> uh but i understand exactly. all kidding aside i completely understand your point and and you, you mentioned in your article as well you say working in tandem with metaphor abstraction relates to the more more to the physical and mental activity that is necessary for an interaction to take place. And, and so maybe, so what is the difference between an abstraction and a metaphor? I think for me, like I, I you know, I wrote this article actually looking for people to help me with this stuff as much as... Oh, for to, sure, yep. To, as much as to state it. And I think abstraction is this thing that I'm trying to get my head around, you know, um, it, it makes perfect sense in my head and every time I talk about it, people sort of get a little bit lost. So. Um, I do think, though, that abstraction is metaphor grounded in physicality in a way. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the examples I give is talking about Google Maps, where Google Maps, being the first one to do the whole Ajax map thing, um, what they were able to do is create this amazing metaphor of a map on the table, and not using the blurred focus of the reality, but definitely taking that clipping effect. and saying, you know, you're just dragging the map around the lens of your eye, basically, and we're going to clip it for you more precisely than your eye would do, but that's basically the metaphor in play there, but the abstraction part of it is how you actually move the map itself, and how you, you know, you click down on the mouse, and the distance that you move your arm um, with the mouse is in exact ratio to how far you're going to move on the screen, exactly. right? Yep. Oh, and sure. you compare that to the original, like the old version of Maps, where you clicked in north or northwest, and that click had nothing to do with the physical movement of distance or even how long it took to make that motion of the map, right? So there was a lack of, uh, there was a further abstraction or a lack of physical connection um, between those types of interactions. So would this be similar to the idea of sort of how we're losing our ability to do cursive writing and how, you know, just because we type keys like my pinky is A-S-D-F and you almost get used to this idea of, well, I'm used to writing A in, with a pen versus just punching a key with a, with, a, with a finger, for example. I think that there's definitely 
realities, you know, like the whole um, spelling is degrading among kids who do SMS too much, right? Right. <laughs> you know, there are those realities. Um, but I also think it's important to understand that we don't want abstraction um, or the value of abstraction to be a value of interaction design. Okay. There could be points where higher abstraction might be more valuable. So, like, if you look at command line interfaces, um, typing has nothing to do really with what I'm doing on screen, but there's an efficiency to that. You know, for people who are interested in um, command line interfaces, a, a, an interesting product is by the folks at Humanized. Um, they have a product called Enso where you can command line interface your Windows desktop pretty easily. Um, and but it still is very abstract, but there's an efficiency involved in, in using that level of abstraction. So I don't think it is an, as an absolute value judgment uh, to abstraction itself, um, less or more. Excellent. The uh, one of the one of the questions you asked in your article because about the the fourth foundation of interaction design is that of negative space, and you you had uh, allow you had put out the question, what is the negative effect on interaction? Um, based on negative space. I don't, have you gotten any feedback about that or could you describe to our listeners a little bit about, about how negative space is, in, is, the, uh, is the fourth foundation of what you, what you look at when you think about interaction design? Yeah, for me I think you know, there, there is no one negative space and I, I've been thinking about this a little bit in terms of the uh, foundations and other design disciplines but I think there's a negative in each of the other foundations in a way, especially within time. They probably is a negativity in, in each foundation. I think that's as far as I've gotten. But the, right. what I've wrote about here, you know, there's time, so pause is an obvious. Right. Some, something's not happening. Yep. Right? There's no reaction, um, which also relates to inactivity, which is the other one I related to. But then there's like the human element of negative space or negativity, which is just the human cessation of thought, right? And there was a um, a game called Brain Ball or, or something like that, that that was out there where the less you think, the better you do kind of thing and controlling your mind or think about meditation where you try to stop your language thought. Yeah, less um, is more type thing, right? Because I know yeah. uh, Dr. Barry Schwartz, Schwartz wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice, Why Why More is Less and, and about how he had uh, he went to the Gap one day in inspiration for this article and he had he had never had more selection of genes in his entire life he had never walked out with a better fitting, more comfortable pair of jeans, and he never had a worse user experience and experience in his entire life in buying jeans. So the more the more choices he, he determined, the more choices people had, the actually less satisfied they were with their with their final decision, which I thought was really really kind of interesting. So maybe if we start from a negative space perspective, if we looked at the idea of uh, of removing choice, we could actually increase the capacity to get people what they need. Yeah, I think that, I think it's about. I don't think it's about removing, like I've always had a problem with the paradox. I have a paradox with the paradox of choice. Okay. Having lived in places where there isn't always as much choice as we're used to in the U.S., um, you, you sort of miss your options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I think it's about presentation of choice as much as it is um, too much choice. Excellent um, point. I, I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, for sure. It would, would have to be. Um, maybe we could turn a little bit to uh, the comment, some of the comments that the readers made on your article. 
and uh, get a little more clarification from you. Um, Paul Bryan from Usography Corporation in Atlanta commented that, I agree with the foundations you listed, but was left wondering why you didn't include a foundation for goal, that is, why I undertook the design and why anyone else would undertake the steps of the interaction. Fully understanding the context and mechanics of relevant goals seems fundamental to any interaction design and constrains all of the other foundations you describe. Unless by foundations you mean the components of the interaction itself or the philosophy of the art apart from the science. Um, so what are your thoughts about the foundation of goal for interaction design as, as Paul's pointed out? For me, goal is something that comes from the outside of the design. It is not, it, it, it constrains the design, but so does technology. Um, you know, what technology I'm doing is gonna constrain the design. But to me, it's a, it is a parameter of which I design within, but it is not a foundation of the design itself. Okay. So, uh, and in quite honestly, it comes outside of the practice of interaction design. Uh, in my, in, like I was saying, the, the particulate and goals are defined from design research. They're not designed, they're not defined from interaction design. They're okay. just, they're defined from research. So the activity itself is there. And the last thing is, is that uh, design can ex exist for good or for bad outside of research. Um, and, you know, if you look at studio work in a design education environment uh, around foundations, is it's very, very much about creativity and language acquisition. Um, there are basically three fundamental elements of any kind of creative endeavor. Um, you need to be able to have muscle memory. Um, so you need to be able to, like, if you think about playing music, you need to be able to actually put your fingers on the keys in the right places in the right time, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, you also need to know and be able to um, create good music, mm -hmm. right? So you need to be able to um, come up with your own musicality in a way. And then the final thing is you need to be able to recognize what is good and, uh, and critique and things like that. Those are the three core aspects of it. And you can do that with or without research involved in it. It's a very creative endeavor. Um, and so I, it's, that's probably why I just leave goals out of it. Not to dismiss the importance of design research, but that's the same with all of the other disciplines around doing user experience. They're all important. You can't have interaction design without some kind of formative design working in play, whether that's visual design, uh, UI design or industrial design, all of those formative elements are just as important as the interaction design and so is design research. Right. Um, so. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the other question I wanted to talk to you about from the comment was a gentleman, Perak, who stated that uh, while not countering what you said, I was left with the impression you believe it's better to reduce abstraction. I'm not sure that should be a goal in itself. I would say it's better to push out the abstraction to the right level of the given interaction. Uh, do you agree with what Parikh's saying here? Yeah, I think Parikh is, is really just stating what I said um, earlier in the conversation in terms of um, there are points where it, it's about appropriateness. Right? I think that's the, you know, to, to bring goals back in. It's, um, <laughs> yep. Or about user understanding more than goals, actually. Um, you, you need to design to the appropriate needs of the users who you're designing for. So I wouldn't say that abstraction is a negative in and of itself. Um, I would say, though, that there's a tendency for human beings to feel more engaged the more the physicality feels like it's related to natural motion 
or natural interactions. Um, the more that we have to create artificial interactions um, in order to achieve the, the tasks of the solutions we're designing, I think the more it encumbers people. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, there's not an absolute answer here, but I would tend to want to want to reduce abstraction would be my answer. I would tend to want to. Uh, the last comment that I want to point point out today was by Jamie Owen, who's a visual information specialist for training at the Department of Veteran Affairs. And uh, mm -hmm. Jamie had said that much like differing cultures have recognizable characteristics unique to their dance and their music, the quote-unquote choreography of orchestration of their interaction should also be designed as to their unique cultural characteristics. In short, the elements of the foundations are different from culture to culture. So. In my mind, this in my mind, excuse me. This begs the question: Should culture be considered as a foundation of interaction design? Again, it's 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 a it's it's like goals in that it's an outside constraint. Right. You know, I, I would consider it really similar in that regard. But the foundations themselves exist, no matter the culture. They may be interpreted differently. So it's just like you take music. There is such a thing as a scale. Right? I mean, or it more precisely there is rhythm there is melody right absolutely good rhythm and good melody differ per culture but rhythm and melody are the foundations right and then you can add tone and, and other musical elements but but i wouldn't call the culture a foundation of music right whereas and, and the same thing here with the designs maybe i'm going to use in visual design maybe i can't use the color red in certain cultures because it may be insulting, but it still is that hue that's there, right? The value attributed to that is different culturally. Absolutely. But it exists, and its relationship cognitively to other colors, meaning that red and green are always in contrast to each other, um, will always be there, right? Exactly. Well, David, uh, again, the, the article is Foundations of Interaction Design and uh, uh, obviously a conversation that uh, is going to be carried on for, for quite some time outside of this podcast and, uh, and uh, definitely an important piece of work. So uh, thank you very much for taking time to, to talk to me today. Uh, is, there, uh, is there anything that you'd like to announce to our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> well, you know, as, uh, as attributed to me, I think in, uh, in bios, I'm the Vice President of the Interaction Design Association. That's my love affair with interaction design. And uh, we are having our first um, annual conference this February in Savannah, Georgia, being hosted by the Savannah College of Art and Design Industrial Design Group. And um, it is going to be great. We have uh, four amazing keynotes from various parts of the interaction design world. Um, Alan Cooper from Cooper and About Face and Inmates Around the Asylum is going to be our opening and primary keynote. Great. And then uh, closing is going to be somebody probably new to a lot of people in uh, the user experience community, which is Malcolm McCullough. He's actually a professor of architecture at uh, University of Michigan, and he wrote uh, what I would consider one of the best books on interaction design, even though it's uh, about architecture, um, called Digital Ground. And uh, he will be giving a great talk uh, to send us on our way into the new universe where space, form, and interaction are all sort of converging into one sort of design discipline. And uh, in between, we have Bill Buxton, um, principal design researcher from Microsoft and uh, pretty much a luminary and recent author of um, Sketching User Experience, will be talking about designing the ecosystem. Um, and 
Uh, fourth keynote is Sigmund Moslinger from a uh, design firm called Antenna Design. Uh, probably, you probably know her work because you've used it, but uh, you probably don't know the firm as well. But um, Siggy, uh, former IDEO person, uh, more on the industrial design side of things, but um, we'll be talking about the intersection, um, the intervention uh, and interaction. And uh, it'll be a great talk. And we have uh, eight invited speakers from around the world. And then we have 20 um, lightning round speakers doing 25 minute talks also from, uh, which come from our, directly from our community. Uh, and it was, uh, it was really hard to, cut those down <laughs> yeah. to only 20. So uh, it's definitely a high quality uh, event that uh, we're, we're looking at. Okay. Our host, um, Savannah, is, is going to be an amazing place to be uh, in February, and uh, it's looking like a great show. Sounds so, fantastic. Well, living in Ottawa, <laughs> Canada in February, uh, Savannah, Georgia sounds like a lovely place to be So <laughs> in terms of the weather, so hopefully I can uh, make it down there. Um, but again, Dave, thanks very much for taking the time, and best of luck in all of your endeavors. Thank you. Cheers.